Welcome to the Microsoft Industry Experiences Team Podcast. I'm your host, David Starr, and in this series, you will hear from leaders across various industries discussing the impact of digital disruption and innovation, sharing how they've used Azure to transform their business. You can find our team online at aka.ms slash indxp or on Twitter at industryxp. Hari Menon is one of the founders and the CEO of Symphony Industrial AI, a provider of AI-enabled operations excellence solutions for asset-intensive industries like oil and gas, chemicals, mining, and manufacturing. Prior to founding Symphony Industrial AI, Hari spent 20-plus years as an entrepreneur, product manager, and a software engineer at various software startups and larger software companies in Silicon Valley. Hari, welcome to the show. Thank you, David. And we're also joined by Diego Tamburini, the Principal Industry Lead for Azure Marketing in the Microsoft Industry Experience Team, where he focuses on developing technical assets to help manufacturing companies and software companies deliver their manufacturing solutions on Azure at scale. He also champions partners who deliver manufacturing solutions using Azure. Welcome, Diego. Thank you, David, and uh, thank you, Harry, for being here with us uh, recording this podcast. Hari, I wonder if you could tell us a bit about the mission of Symphony Industrial AI. Yeah, the mission of Symphony Industrial AI is to deliver a software as a service, a SaaS platform and solutions, AI-enabled solutions for improving or optimizing operations of asset-intensive industries or equipment-intensive industries that include mining, oil and gas, chemicals, or any of those industries. We specialize in productizing AI, and I'll get into that uh, in the later part of this podcast. So that's Symphony Industrial AI's mission. So you have a SaaS product that's AI-enabled, and presumably you have multiple customers. So does that mean you have a multi-tenant application? Yeah, it is a multi-tenant application, but in the industrial sector, Some customers prefer to keep their data in silos, and so we support that as well for reasons of proprietary data and proprietary processes. We support that more as well. And I understand that you build templates for specific industry and different customer types. You build templates for them for Microsoft Azure deployments. Is that correct? That's correct. So uh, we uh, rely on Microsoft Azure for all of the, what I would call as both infrastructure and application component capabilities, everything from IoT Edge, Azure IoT Hub for data ingest, and several of the components. In fact, we are, as we speak, we are experimenting with Cosmos DB as well as data store. On top of that, we have our application layer and we build our solutions on top of a what we call as an operational data lake. And the operational data lake is data that is collected on a real-time or even on batch from equipment and processes and contextualized so you can run algorithms on top of it to do things like real-time condition monitoring, anomaly detection, prediction of failures or anomalies, and those kind of use cases. We have something called asset and process templates. 
These are software templates that represent the performance characteristics of, of a particular machine, equipment, or asset, or a process. And these temp- we have a template editor that allows you to create a template. And then once it is deployed, the algorithms kick in. Once the data comes through, the algorithms kick in, and you are able to see uh, the, the predictive analytics. So that's how we go to market. That's how we productize AI and kind of compress the time to value for our customers. And David, I think that what's interesting to highlight here is that this approach of uh, templatizing, they're basically, if I understand this correctly, they're connecting the dots between the raw IoT data and the machine learning models that that actually do some sort of uh, prediction or provide some sort of insight. That connection is where many people kind of trip because they they say, okay, I know that machine learning can help me somehow. I know I have all this data, but I don't really know what I can do with those data. With those data, I don't know how to select the proper machine learning model and how to train it. And what Symfony does is, is connect those dots for their customers. Yeah, very well described, uh, Diego. Um, exactly, that's what we do. So. Like Diego said about one of the uh, industry secrets, or maybe not a secret anymore, is that more than 85% or 90% of the data that's being collected today from equipment and process, we're not even talking about the need to put new sensors and all that. Existing data that's being collected today is unused. To be able to get the power of, definitely uh, most people we talk in the industry believe that AI can add value, but how do you make that easy, right? So being able to connect the the right set of data with the equipment models and with the AI models so that you can deliver the value is where we come in. So that requires combining some domain expertise or enough domain expertise with the data science expertise. So think of us as curating algorithms that are appropriate for certain types of machines or processes to deliver the results. So uh, so you're right on, Diego. So the idea of curating algorithms, does that mean you select from a library of maybe both public algorithms and ones that you develop yourselves? That's correct. So notion of a template is a combination of uh, what are the algorithms that can predict failures or predict anomalies or do process optimization? And what are the data elements and time series data or other data that is needed to apply those algorithms? All of that is templatized. It's a software-enabled framework that allows, for example, take the case of a rotary compressor. We have a template for a rotary compressor. So when we go into a new customer, uh, if they have three rot- rotary compl- compressors, you instantiate those, connect the data streams to them, and you're able to start seeing results very quickly. Are there unique challenges working with time series data? Yeah, there are. Like uh, The nature of time series data is very different from uh, your standard uh, transaction data or other kinds of data because you have time along the x-axis and then you have a measure which is in different frequencies for different kinds of data, right? For example, for vibration, vibration data is kind of high frequency, whereas something like temperature you might collect only once every minute or so. 
and then being able to kind of use that in algorithms to store, to retrieve, and to search for certain patterns within time series requires a different set of data store, data retrieval approach than a standard relational or even other text-based data. I understand that Symphony Industrial AI is a Microsoft partner. What does that mean and what do you get from the relationship? I can put the value that we get from our Microsoft relationship in two buckets, right? One is even though we are a well-financed startup, we are still a startup trying to go into market with a SaaS cloud-based solution. So a lot of questions, Microsoft's credibility and Microsoft's Azure's credibility gives us a backstop in terms of a lot of questions that get asked around the scale, security, and things that come from the IT organization. We are able to leverage the Microsoft partnership in addressing those. The CoSell partnership also allows us to tap into the Microsoft customer base. Microsoft is actively working with us on identifying customers and channels where we can uh, sell our solutions to. Then the third one, and where our engineering team benefits quite a bit, our product and engineering team benefits quite a bit from us, we can focus on, like we talked about, building asset and process templates and deploying them versus worrying about the underlying infrastructure, everything from database to how do you scale, you build artificial intelligence models, how do you scale that, how do you deploy that, all of that, we rely on the underlying Azure infrastructure for, for a lot of that. So our engineering can focus on what is core to our differentiation. Along those lines of partnership, I remember from a previous conversation with you that you are helping Microsoft improve their uh, machine learning pipeline in Azure. And yeah, so we are working very closely with Azure ML team so that we can provide feedback on how we can accelerate the deployment of it is everything from uh, model tuning uh, to model version control to things like that, which uh, which is extremely required. Uh, extremely important for adoption of these AI-based solutions because, as you probably know, that you can build machine learning models, but the models might drift after, a model might drift after a while uh, for whatever reason, and now you have to kind of tweak the model. So how do you do that in an automated fashion? And uh, those are things that we are working very closely with the Microsoft development team on, providing our feedback so that they get the real-world uh, feedback on the product. We need more people like you so that we can give you exactly what you need. That's great. So you've said also in past conversations that Azure lets your people focus on the business rather than on infrastructure. How is that so? In, in a SaaS environment or in uh, more and more in the new world, we built a complete platform on a microservices-based approach the everything from orchestration of the components of our platform using Kubernetes, using uh, Cosmos DB, uh, probably uh, will migrate to Cosmos DB, Cosmos DB as a scalable data store, Azure IoT Hub as kind of a data ingest inbound uh, capability, IoT Azure IoT Edge as any deployment of algorithms at the edge. So a lot of the infrastructure automation 
all of that we can count on uh, Microsoft as well as the Azure ML capabilities. As Microsoft enhances ML, uh, the ML library and the ML tools and deployment capabilities, we as a team can then focus more and more on what we learn from the market for how to enhance our product to meet new verticals, new customers, etc., instead of worrying about the underlying infrastructure. David, if I may, this actually highlights precisely our general strategy when it comes to industry solutions and specifically IoT solutions, right? We are a platform company. As part of that platform, we have IoT services and ML services and analytics and time series insights, but we can cannot go as deep as a partner like Symfony can go with specific use cases, industry use cases, like I mean, he, uh, Harry was mentioning, a template for a compressor. I mean, the, we, we don't have the bandwidth or the knowledge or the depth to go there, right? So that's where we rely on partners. Partners, in turn, they leave all the solution plumbing, if you will, to, to us and the basic IoT services that take care of connectivity, scale, uh, security, and all that stuff so they can concentrate on the actual industry IP. So speaking of customers specifically, I understand you have a customer in oil and gas where you were able to use Internet of Things to report a lot of information to the organization that helped them uh, refine their operations. Can you describe that a little bit? Yeah, so we focus on the downstream refineries within oil and gas sector where you have compressors, pumps, cooling towers, etc. as part of a refinery's infrastructure, the equipment that is used within the inf- refinery. For example, take the case of pumps. Uh, you could have a refinery uh, with more than 500 pumps. Now, each one of them might not by itself be that expensive. Some of them have spares, etc. But the the health of these pumps are critical for the functioning of the re- refinery in an optimal manner. So, the continuous monitoring of these pumps and being able to detect failures ahead of time and being able to provide the signals that allow them to maintain ahead of time so that uh, you don't have breakdowns in operation is one of the biggest values we uh, provide. And not only that, if these pumps are not operated and in their optimal thresholds, then you also have higher than normal energy consumption. So about 85, 80% of a refinery's energy consumption comes from uh, the pumps that are used within that refinery. So that's where we provide value. AI and ML in predictive maintenance is kind of all the rage in manufacturing discussions right now. And you just brought it up yourself. Can you speak a little bit to how this is done and maybe some of the challenges involved in predictive maintenance models? AI and ML has huge value in the uh, in the predictive maintenance arena. The the biggest challenges are, I would say, threefold. Right, one is first is connecting these assets so that you can collect data on a real either real time or even frequently enough to be able to do any kind of uh, algorithmic prediction on the condition of that equipment. So one is the data collection part and the data integration part where uh, Microsoft offers us capabilities like IoT Edge and IoT Hub, but you still have to sometimes, if they are very old facilities, you have to 
put in sensors, etc. Luckily for us, there are there are enough factories and refineries and chemical plants where the, the data is being collected. So as a startup, we have focused on them first so that we are hoping that the others will get up to speed with the sen- uh, sensorizing by the time we get there. And the second part of it is how do you handle this large volume of data? It is a big data problem, but it's not just a big data as in a CRM space or in another space. It is a lot of this data that is coming in is time series data and being able to kind of find patterns within this time series that can then help you predict the failures. That's where we specialize in. And then the third part is, okay, how do you, instead of custom building it for each customers, how do you standardize or templatize some of it so that you can deliver it as a softer solution than a a one-off consulting agreement. So those are areas that we focus on from a product development perspective so we can make it much easier for a customer to derive that value. And predictive maintenance is the AI part of predictive maintenance is very interesting in that, uh, like I said, it has a lot of promise, but you also have to have real explanatory power of the uh, explanatory nature of these algorithms have to be exposed, right? Uh, So you cannot provide a black box and say, this is going to fail in two weeks. You have to say, okay, what are the, uh, what are the primary reasons for it to fail, right? So for example, not all algorithms will work from a user perspective. You have to have good data visualization. We have our own data visualization, but we enhance that with Power BI where needed when you have to create new custom data visualization to support some of the algorithms. I think I gave you a few challenges here. And for the end user to adopt these this AI-enabled capabilities, uh, it is a combination of the above. It is automation, it is data visualization, it is picking the right algorithm so that it has enough explanatory power. All of that is critical. And Diego, I know that you've been producing some articles and other collateral around predictive maintenance. Do you have anything to add? Yeah, sure. I, I mean, the, the predictive maintenance is one of the applications of machine learning uh, models uh, trained with IoT data that has been gaining more uh, visibility and popularity. And it's one of the great applications for IoT and ML. What people probably often fail to realize is that it's not just a matter of identifying a machine learning and deploying it somewhere and turn it on and, and it starts working, right? I wish it were that easy. Machine learning models, uh, not only do you have to identify the right one, but you also have to train them with data and data that can give the machine learning model an indication of when something is about to fail. And then when you have a working machine learning model that is predicting a way, you also have to maintain it, not that you just deploy it and forget about it. You have to train it with new data because your conditions may change. So you have to identify the right machine learning model, you have to find the right data to train it, and you have to keep them up to date. That leads me back to a question for Hari, because you mentioned that many of the organizations you work with have what I'll call brownfield data, or data they've been collecting maybe even for years. Is that sufficient to train your models, or do you, you need more current data 
the historical data is very useful in training the models, but you still need to test it with, uh, like any other machine learning model, you need enough training data sets, and not all algorithms, but most algorithms require enough training data sets. And usually in industries, we are after oil and gas and chemicals, they use something called uh, data stores called historians. We are able to get enough data out of the historians to be able to train our, our models. So in this discussion of time series data, it often comes in a stream of data, right? Continuous stream of data from sensors. What sort of Azure resources are you using to hook up to those streams of data so that you can get real-time analytics and, and insights from them? So we, from a data ingest point of view, we are using IoT Hub for connectivity. We use as middleware or as messaging uh, this thing, we're using Kafka. It's not an Azure-specific thing, but mm -hmm. uh, it allows us to scale Kafka really well uh, within the Azure environment as a primary uh, messaging framework. And uh, our in-stream algorithms use Kafka as the input and output, where the streams come from and where we write the results into. Kafka being an open source event bus, right? Right. I just have to mention, when people go to the Azure Marketplace, Kafka is one of the things that they can just install with very little trouble or very little That's challenges. I'd like to, to highlight something that is very common among our, our ISV partners developing on Azure, is that often they use other platforms and open source uh, resources on the messaging side or the storage side. I mean, we hear also like in the visualization, they, they use things like Grafana, which are open source uh, visualization that in a sense, it, you can argue that it competes with Power BI. So what I'm trying to say is that these combinations of open source and Azure platforms are very common and uh, we, we welcome them uh, with open arms because we believe that give our partners the, the flexibility to pick and choose the right tools, and they all play nice with Azure. That's what we really appreciate about um, Microsoft's approach here is that, and I, I would hate to say this, but unlike uh, Microsoft's of the past where everything had to be on Microsoft technology here, we are allowed to mix and match where, for whatever reason, our architectural reason, we picked an open source component and we can bring that to uh, leverage that on Azure. So lastly, I'll ask about your product a little bit more. You said that sometimes for different visualizations than you provide, you bring in Power BI. What kind of visualizations or reporting does your product provide? We provide uh, like every one of our asset templates or our process templates have a standard for that particular template, it has a standard data visualization, whether it is a, any kind of anomaly visualization or anomaly in a trend, things like that. But the customer, when we go into a certain customers, they're used to seeing data in a, uh, in a, let's say in a different, different visual paradigm. And then we use Power BI as an ad additional data visualization capability. And it's embedded within our UI, so it's pretty seamless to the customer. 
I want to thank both Hari and Diego for being on the show. You guys are in a fascinating line of work, and I appreciate both of you and your time on the show today. Thank you, David. Thank you, Diego. It was a real pleasure to be on this podcast and uh, hope after a few more successes, we get to come back and talk about that. That would be great. I'd love to hear some more customer stories. Likewise. Uh, thank you, David and Harry. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Microsoft Industry Experiences Team podcast, the show that explores how industry experts are transforming businesses with Azure. Visit our team at aka dot ms slash indxp and don't forget to join us for our next episode